I'm Dr. Judy and welcome to Supercharged Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment, and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. Now, don't forget to download and subscribe to my podcast today. I have been involving a lot of you in my Ask Dr. Judy episodes, and this is one of them. So I want to hear from you. Send me a comment on Instagram. Let me know what you want me to talk about next, and I will look forward to answering one of your questions very soon. Now, I'm going to jump into the topic of the day, understanding narcissism and how we can work and live and even love narcissists. Yes, narcissist has become a buzzword in our society. We just love to toss around. What is a narcissist really? I want to be clear before we launch into this discussion that we're not necessarily talking about narcissistic personality disorder. That's a very specific, extreme version of narcissism where they actually get a clinical diagnosis using the DSM, which is what psychiatrists and psychologists use to diagnose and treat patients. But when we talk about this idea of narcissism, we're really talking about the spectrum, the spectrum of people who oftentimes seem to have a more grandiose feeling of self-importance. They might seem entitled and they might dismiss people's needs that are not their own. And if you're not careful, a narcissist does become an emotional vampire. They really make a chaos out of your life and make you question your own self-concept, your self-worth, and your self-esteem. So I have gotten a slew of questions about how we deal with and manage narcissists. And this week, we're going to be taking a look at the listener questions that have submitted their queries anonymously. I put together this website where people can ask questions without having it be based in their social tag, just in case they want that anonymity. And I'm teaching, I'm a faculty at Pepperdine University. I've been talking to my graduate students about this concept and some of them had questions for me too. So that's where all the questions come from this week. And I really hope you guys get a lot out of this episode because as I said, it feels like it's everywhere. And before we get to the questions, I just want to talk a little bit about what really is happening in our society and why people think that narcissism is becoming its own epidemic. So there's this book called The Narcissism Epidemic, Living in the Age of Entitlement. And in the book, they summarize a study where data from 37,000 college students show that narcissistic personality traits are rising just as fast as obesity from the 1980s to the present. And interestingly, that shift is especially pronounced for women. Yes, what I'm saying is more women are becoming narcissists at a higher rate than men. Even music is getting more narcissistic compared to a quarter century ago. Popular music lyrics now include more words related to a focus on the self This is from a report by a team of researchers at the University of Kentucky. And of course, as you already know, social media is becoming more narcissistic. What do most people on Twitter tweet about? Well, 80% of them are tweeting about themselves. And clearly we see all the selfies that are abound on Facebook pages and of course on Instagram. So, 
We all have a little bit of narcissism going on in our world. As I mentioned, narcissism is on a spectrum. But when you are dealing with somebody who is on the more extremes of the spectrum, it can really contribute to a lot of difficulty in your own life. It might make you feel like the dynamic is toxic. It may sometimes feel like you're not able to get a sense of boundaries or stability in your everyday life if you live with a narcissist. So I really want this episode to focus on this concept of narcissism and also talk about how you might be able to deal with it better. So as usual for my Ask Dr. Judy episodes, I have my favorite producer, Rachel, and amazing, wonderful engineer, Jonathan, and they are going to help us talk about some of these questions today. And I think it's going to be so relatable. So Jonathan, let's start with you. What is our first question from an anonymous listener this week? Hi, Dr. Judy. Um, So our first question from an anonymous listener is, um, this one sort of sticks to the thought of, are all narcissists bad? So the question is, I think one of my parents is a narcissist. I can see why they want to remain anonymous. I can't cut them out of my life, but I often feel drained and upset after I speak to them. How do I deal with this? Okay, good question. And as I mentioned, narcissism is on the spectrum. And the extreme of that might be what we would call narcissistic personality disorder. These are people who would actually get a clinical diagnosis from the DSM, from a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And so it's not just a person who might just be a little selfish or thoughtless at some times. There's really these different variants of narcissism where it's a lot worse. And so, of course, there are some more what we call benign narcissists where maybe they're just a little bit self-centered, maybe a little less empathetic than you'd like them to be. But if you give them that feedback, they'll say, oh, sorry, I recognize what I'm doing now and I will try to be better next time. But the most extreme kind of narcissist is something that researchers and clinicians have termed malignant narcissism. And a lot of people consider this the most severe type. So this is not just focusing on themselves, liking attention, but malignant narcissists have more of a darker side to their self-absorption. And some of the traits of a malignant narcissist are that they basically see the world in black and white form, meaning that they either see people as either their best friend or their worst enemy. They just don't know how to live in the in-betweens. Some of these severe narcissists also have other traits like not just egocentricity, but even antisocial traits, like they actually get off on the power and maybe hurting someone's feelings. They want to win at all costs. And generally, they leave a great amount of pain and frustration in their wake. And when you tell them about the pain that they have caused you, they don't really seem to care. In fact, sometimes they might even enjoy it or experience it as empowering. So if you know somebody like this, and if your parent is exhibiting these traits, then we'll have to talk a little bit more about how you manage them and have better boundaries with such a person, because I know that as a parent, you may not be able to cut them out of your lives. But again, if somebody who is on the lesser extremes of that narcissistic quality on that spectrum, and they're willing to listen to feedback and maybe willing to change their stance a little bit, then I would say that that is not one of the worst types of narcissism. And no, not all narcissists are bad. And I don't know if you guys knew this, Jonathan and Rachel, but most of the times when we think about a narcissist, we're thinking somebody who 
thinks that they're so self-important and they think that they can do no wrong. And people think that maybe they're just overconfident to the extreme. And actually, did you guys know that in research, what we find is that probably the majority of narcissists, maybe 95% or more, are actually people who are really insecure on the inside. And that's why they feel like they have to project all that extra bravado. And that's why whenever you do bring up anything that they've done that you don't like, they react so severely to it because it's really causing them a narcissistic injury to their already fragile self-esteem. And that's why they overreact. And so I think that is a mis, uh, information that has been out there about narcissism, that these people really believe how great they are. And actually the majority of them actually feel the opposite. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting. I relate to it a lot, knowing several narcissists and kind of feeling that way about them. (laughs) It gives me a little insight. Well, Rachel, what's the next question that we have? You know, normally I wouldn't jump to something else, but I do need to ask you a question that um, related to what that article said about women becoming more narcissistic over time. And I just jotted down this question. Do you think maybe more women are becoming narcissistic because now women have become CEOs of companies and vice president candidates and, you know, politicians and have very important jobs? Do you think that lends itself to narcissism? Well, it's really interesting. And I think that there's a lot of theories out there about why it's accelerating faster in women And I think that perhaps it's because women are just becoming more comfortable with self-disclosing a lot of this information as sometimes they think, okay, well, if I say this now, I'm going to be less judged than maybe I was 30 or 40 years ago because there is more equality overall and women are working outside the home and they have these identities that are not just tied to more of a traditional view of what women do and what women, uh, roles are in families, for example. But I also think that it might be because, as you were mentioning, sometimes we think about these leaders. And by the way, narcissists are more likely to become leaders, but the really severe narcissists are not very good leaders because they don't listen to what's going on and they don't compromise. And so I think that it is possible that perhaps as people are getting into these higher and higher echelons of work or positions of power that perhaps they're surrounded by people that are also just yes people who are telling them how amazing and wonderful they are all the time. And sometimes they lose sight of this aspect of themselves, which is introspection and self-reflection. And so perhaps that's also part of what's driving that number. But I think it's a mystery. And I don't think anybody really knows why the rates in women, as far as narcissistic qualities go, is being accelerated even higher than the rates for men with narcissistic qualities right now. Because we do everything more than men and better. Uh-huh. So we're the best. Narcissists. Well, <laughs> Jonathan is being outnumbered right now because there's two of us and one of him. So he's being very quiet. Uh, I am. <laughs> but Rachel, let's talk about the next question. Is a narcissist capable of truly falling in love? And should this person stick with stick out her relationship okay so tricky question and i think when we think about somebody who's a true narcissist it's really hard for them to self-reflect one of the telltale signs of a person with very severe narcissistic traits is that they really feel like everybody else is to blame when they have problems and so 
if you go to them and you say you need to change, they might just bite back at you and say, no, you're the one who needs to change. And so it really depends if they are willing to self-reflect and there are narcissists who do. And I often get this question about are narcissists treatable? And it's kind of related to this question of can they fall in love? And yes, they are absolutely treatable and they're absolutely capable of falling in love, but only if they heal their own wounds. And so they really do need to first take responsibility for their part in maybe a relationship going sour or problems at work or whatever issue is coming up in their life. And then wanting to change. It's really the key factor for how narcissists can become people who are more empathetic, who can fall in love and who take responsibility when they make mistakes and overall start to think more about other people and not just themselves. And sometimes it means tracing it back to where the narcissism comes from. Sometimes people develop narcissism because as a child, they were largely ignored and their parents did not meet their needs. And so they had to develop this narcissistic personality quality to try to meet all their own needs because they don't really trust anybody else to be able to take care of them. And so if that's the kind of wound a narcissist has and you go to therapy and they self-reflect and they work on it, they can absolutely be really loving partners. And so definitely don't give up if you think that there are some good traits with your narcissistic boyfriend or partner, because sometimes it can be a really, really eye-opening thing if they are willing to do some self-reflection. So to that listener, do not give up necessarily on your boyfriend as long as they're not that severe type of narcissist that is basically emotionally abusing you. Then I would say, yes, you need to get out and it probably isn't going to work out in the end. Jonathan, what's the next question? The next question for you, Dr. Judy, this person says, don't judge me, but I've made up my mind to stay with a narcissistic partner. So given that's my decision, how should I deal and make this relationship the best that it can be? Okay. Another great, and I think a relevant question for so many people and people listening right now might think, oh my gosh, I've definitely been with a narcissist or maybe I'm with one right now. And I think one of the things that narcissists tend to do is that they tend to make everything about them. And so it starts to develop into sometimes a codependent relationship pattern where you, the person who's not a narcissist, is always constantly falling all over yourself to meet the other person's needs and be at their whim. And whatever they say, you drop everything and you go help them. And so you have to stop that codependency behavior. If you want to try to have a semblance of a healthy relationship with a narcissist, you have to actually draw some boundaries. If you can't do something right in that moment, give the narcissist personality uh, partner that you have an alternative. I can't help you right now, but I can get to it in about an hour. You absolutely can train a narcissist to have better boundaries with you as long as you still are empathetic in the way that you communicate your own needs. And also if you spend a little bit of time just letting them know that they are still important to you. Because again, narcissists oftentimes are actually very insecure. And if you don't jump when they call, they might think that you don't care about them anymore. So really saying it in a loving way, well, honey, I would love to help you. Unfortunately, I can't right now. I'm really busy. But in an hour, I can talk to you about this. Would that be okay? And really being able to develop a healthier communication pattern so that some of your needs can get met as well. And here is the trick for narcissists to feel good. Um, 
you should compliment them. So when they do meet your needs, when they do come to your aid, really shower praise and compliments on them. Give them that positive reinforcement they're totally craving and they are apt to do more of those thoughtful things for you. So hopefully that works out and good luck staying in that relationship. Rachel, what's the next question? Well, if this seems like it's from an honest person, it's actually probably for me. <laughs> no, it's not, but um, <laughs> I, I experience this a lot. I feel like I attract narcissists in my life. I am a narcissist magnet. What am I putting out there and how can I stop it? Oh, Rachel, I mean, anonymous <laughs> listener and also Rachel. This is totally a relatable question. I get asked this all the time. And by the way, the people who ask me this question are some of the most lovely, wonderful people in the world. And it's because people who are natural caretakers are narcissist magnets. Narcissists know that if they get together with a caretaker, whether in a romantic way or in a friendship or whatever else, that they are likely to get a lot of their own needs met because the caretaker really wants other people to always feel good, sometimes above and beyond their own needs to feel good and to have support. And so that's what happens. There's sort of this idea that in some ways, not only does a narcissist need people like this, the caretaker needs narcissists. And that's because people who are caretakers tend to get a lot of value out of what they do for others, how they can provide a service or help to others. And it actually does make them feel good as well. But the problem is they start to get really exhausted by that because there is burnout. There can be resentment. There can be frustration. And also, again, as we've mentioned so many times already in this episode, narcissists cause chaos. And so for these individuals, they start to burn out with all of this, but they also don't know the way out for themselves. And so I think the most important thing here is to think through the energy that you're putting out there, are you being an over caretaker rather than just a warm and empathetic person? And sometimes even if you feel like your old habit is to go right to over caretaking, think a little bit about how maybe just taking a pause could allow that person to meet their own needs another way. And perhaps it doesn't mean that you have to jump whenever they say jump. And it does take time to hone that. And I think part of what the over caretaker needs to do is spend time with other over caretakers and really experience what a relationship would be like if there's more give or take, and then using that as a guide for how to work with somebody who might be more narcissistic. So hopefully that helps, but wow, what a good question and a relatable question too. Uh, this next question comes from someone who was in a relationship with a narcissist. So they ask, how do I heal after narcissistic abuse? I was in a five-year-long relationship with a narcissist, and it really messed with my self-esteem. Well, people who have survived narcissistic abuse or people who have been subject to the emotional put-downs that narcissists oftentimes will do to their partners, sometimes will have a hard time coming back because their self-esteem is shot after being in a relationship with this person for so long and believing the lies that the narcissist has told them. And I think it's really about healing from the 
inside. Sometimes these individuals, after getting into a narcissistic relationship, they look for the next relationship to heal them. They look for that next partner to give them that external validation that they are okay, that they're a good person, that they are lovely, wonderful, beautiful inside and out. But you're not going to get that from another human being. You can only heal by developing a internal sense of who you are and the fact that you have value and worth. Don't go down the rabbit hole of thinking, well, because I was with this person for so long, then maybe that means something about me. We all make those mistakes sometimes. We all have stayed in a relationship longer than probably we needed to. And it's not helpful to keep revisiting that particular mistake of your past. But really do a self-assessment and think about what are some of the things that I really did not like about that relationship that I am going to have a firm boundary about going forward. I'm not going to let somebody talk to me that way. I'm not going to let somebody hijack my life that way, create chaos, tell me that I'm not worthwhile, tell me that I can't get any better. Write down those absolute no-nos and stick to them so that when you are ready to date again, you really think about the type of person you're going to get involved with. And I'm always an advocate for people once they've come out from a emotionally traumatic relationship to spend some time just being by themselves. Enjoy your own company. Be comfortable being on your own. Only when you heal yourself and feel whole by yourself can you really attract a lovely partner who hopefully is not a narcissist. So good luck to you. Um, but again, common issue that I've heard with people who have dealt with narcissists before. Rachel, what's our next question? Okay, well, this question is really interesting. When should we cut a narcissist out of our lives? The question is, my best friend might be a narcissist. I'm not sure if she is really happy for me when things are good. She will say caustic things and sometimes in front of other people that sound like put downs. Should I confront her or do I decide to move on with this friendship? Well, I would say that when we're talking about this colloquial term of a narcissist, this friend really does sound like a narcissist because another common trait of narcissists is that they have a hard time letting other people shine. So even though they reek of bravado themselves, they really can't let anyone else be awesome. So for example, if their friend is getting accolades, being recognized for their achievements, the narcissist might internally ruminate on why that person even deserves all of that praise, but they will be sure to tell anybody who's listening about all of the skeletons that that person has stowed away in their closet. They may tell the person directly, I don't even know why everybody thinks that that's so great. Anyone can do what you did because extreme narcissists live in this pattern of jealousy and they refuse to accept somebody else who is thriving. They always think that it's either them or someone else and not everybody can be thriving at the same time. And it is so exhausting. And I think that if it's a best friend or if it was a best friend, you have to remember that sometimes friends are in your life for a season, but that does not mean that you have to keep them with you forever. If you think that there is any juice left in this friendship, certainly try to have a talk with this person and say, listen, I've noticed that when things are happening for me that are good, you seem like you want to put me down. What's that about? And ask the question and let them respond. Don't assume a bunch of things, right? Because it's important to, to give them a shot at telling you what's driving that. And if they seem open to the conversation and willing to change, then maybe that relationship does deserve a second chance. But if they completely seem closed off or they blame you for being overly sensitive, then I would say that sometimes it's time to 
say that's a wrap. And it might be a wrap on that friendship. It doesn't mean that it was all for nothing, but sometimes people just become individuals that you can no longer have healthy relationships with. And it's time to just slowly back away from that individual. You don't necessarily even have to have this huge best friend breakup. You can just distance yourself from them enough so that maybe your relationship is more on the level of an acquaintance. And then you don't have to deal with their narcissism and how much that hurts you. Jonathan, what's the next question? So the next couple of questions are centered around how we deal with narcissists and they're in a position that we can't really maybe distance ourselves as much as we would like. So people like a boss at work or family members and how you protect your own emotional health, your wants and needs still have some way to get along with them. So the the first question says, my boss is a narcissist. He expects me to drop everything to work on whatever his whims are at, at any given moment. Sometimes he calls me at 11 p.m. at night to tell me what I need to do. I need this job. I do like my other coworkers. How do I work with someone who is a narcissist, but they are in charge of me and my daily work life? This question is very complex, but I think one of the things that we must do with somebody who is a narcissist is to try our best still to have boundaries that are reasonable. And so, for example, it's important that if you have a narcissistic boss, that you actually ask them for their expectations up front. Ask them to spell it out for you instead of just be available whenever I need you. Actually ask for that clarification. So what does that mean? Does that mean until 10 p.m. on weekdays? Does that mean all throughout the weekend? Tell me what that means so that you have an understanding and you can communicate something that just absolutely does not work for you. And when you communicate the things that don't work for you, you don't have to fall all over yourself with excuses. You don't have to explain or over explain. And you also don't have to get into a power struggle because that's probably the worst thing to deal with a narcissist. If you get into a power struggle with them, they want to win. And so they will do anything that they can to lash out at you and hurt you so that they come out on top. So if you want to negotiate with a narcissist who isn't that aware that they're a narcissist, it's really about padding their self-esteem a bit in your negotiation. So one approach to this might be, okay, I hear that your expectation is for me to be available. Basically, all the way up until midnight every day. I totally understand that you are an important person and you have so many things going on. But just so you know, I typically do go to bed at 11 p.m. So that will be the absolute cutoff. Although I will make sure that when I wake up in the morning, which is going to be around seven, that I will check whatever message that you send to me and get right back to you within that first hour in the morning. Would that work for you? And hopefully that wouldn't cause you too many delays for all of the urgent and important things that you have to manage. And so, yes, it sounds a little bit like you have to almost pad them a little bit extra and make this effort to make them feel better about themselves. But that's really where you have to start with a narcissist who isn't in treatment and maybe doesn't think that they're a narcissist is make them feel good about themselves, but still hold the line for yourself so that you can have a healthy emotional life. And if you need vacation time, ask them way early, give them lots of notice and give them lots of reminders so that they can't then come back and say, well, you never told me you weren't going to be available for these three days. 
oh, actually I sent you five text messages and two emails reminding you that these are the three days that I'm taking off. I'm so sorry if there was any miscommunication, but I look forward to working with you again when I return on Monday. Sometimes you do have to just put that line down. And if they refuse to accept it, at some point you do have to leave that job because you only have one body and one mind. And if that narcissist is just permeating all of those boundaries in a very negative way, and you can't feel good about yourself and can't do any kind of self-care, then you do have to move on. And there's a lot of great bosses out there who are not narcissists. So good luck to you. And I hope those tips help. Rachel, what's the next question? Well, that tip definitely helped me. Um, Very interesting. (laughs) Okay. Um, The next question is, how do you identify a narcissist? That term is thrown around so much. I feel like it's just an insult that we hurl at each other without really knowing what makes a true narcissist. I definitely have seen this in the couples that I work with in my practice where they'll call each other narcissists. And I'm not even sure if they know what it means. They're just trying to hurt the other person. So I totally get this. As mentioned before, there's an actual clinical diagnosis called narcissistic personality disorder. And that's the kind of person who actually meets clinical criteria and it's a really extreme type of narcissism. And so I do think that we should stop just throwing that term out there and using it as insults. I think when we think about this idea of narcissism, because it is on a spectrum, some people might seem a bit self-centered, but that might not be narcissism. So don't go around calling people narcissists, even if inside your mind you're thinking, hmm, they might have some narcissistic tendencies or qualities. It's not something to throw around just to insult people. But if you think somebody has a more severe type of narcissism, this is somebody whose grandiose sense of self-importance, their belief that they are special, their requirements for excessive admiration, and this entitlement that's totally unreasonable is really wreaking havoc on your life. And that's when you know the person has a narcissistic personality disorder, when basically they don't seem distressed by the way they are, but you are, you as the person who has to deal with that narcissist. And so if that happens and it's somebody that you really truly love and you think that they might be open to hearing from you, you can talk to them about it. But I do strongly recommend that you don't just throw the term narcissism out there. Even if in your mind you're thinking, hmm, maybe I'm dealing with a narcissist and I might have to try some new techniques on how to communicate better with them. Don't take that out as a weapon when you're having an argument with them. That never goes anywhere good. And especially because as we've been talking about, most narcissists are actually quite insecure. If you call them a narcissist, they're just going to lash out at you and it's going to make that relationship deteriorate really fast. So I do appreciate that question because as I mentioned, there is a line for something that's the clinical disorder and something that we're just kind of throwing around as a trait that we talk about in some of the people that we might know and interact with. Jonathan, what's our last question? All right. The last question is kind of complex, has a couple of parts, and it's about narcissistic injury. So first, what is narcissistic injury and how can you protect yourself? Two, are narcissists dangerous? And three, how are narcissists different from psychopaths? Wow. Well, I'm pretty sure this question came from one of my students in graduate school because people really want to understand more about these personality disorders and can they be treated and how do they treat people with personality disorders? I actually know some clinicians who swear that they don't ever want to go near a personality disorder, meaning that they don't want to be responsible for treating such an individual. I don't hold that stance. I think that personality disorders can absolutely be treated as long as the individual is willing and has that motivation. So 
First, narcissistic injury is a really interesting concept. So narcissistic injury is this reaction. It's a perceived threat to the narcissist's self-esteem or self-worth. It's actually a term that was used by Sigmund Freud. And this idea is really all about the fact when a narcissist feels that their hidden true self has been revealed. So this is the part of themselves that's sort of buried deeper where they're actually feeling quite insecure. And this might be the case when the narcissism experiences maybe a mistake, a type of fall from grace, when somebody questions their importance, when maybe some of the things that they think about themselves are revealed. Maybe somebody says, maybe you don't actually really have as much confidence as you're putting out there. And this narcissistic injury is a cause of great distress to the person and can cause really significant emotional dysregulation and behaviors like anger and resentment and sometimes even rage. And so there's really a spectrum, you know, they might just be mildly irritated or annoyed, but then they could also have some serious outbursts. And so the idea of narcissistic injury, it's almost in many ways like pulling the pin on a grenade, pointing out the narcissist is not as good as they think they are, is really going to set them off. And what you have to realize is that for people who are more severe on the narcissistic spectrum, it, it's not going to necessarily be a entry point for them to actually do any self-assessment if they're not ready. So if you call them a narcissist or you say, well, you're not really that great, or you're an insecure narcissist or whatever you decide to say to them, you're not going to change their minds. They're just going to be upset with you, especially if they're not motivated to make any personal changes. And so I think that is a very complex thing for a person to deal with when you're in relationship with somebody and really having to feel like you're almost walking on eggshells. And that's obviously not a good way to go. But when we think about whether or not narcissists can be dangerous, sometimes narcissists have overlaps with other types of personality traits that are concerning, like antisocial personality traits. And sometimes in colloquial language, we call that a psychopath, but actually on the severe end of the spectrum, there's a personality disorder called antisocial personality disorder. So when you have both of those traits present in the same individual, that's when there might be some more fear of actual, for example, physical harm. In general, though, the predominance of narcissists really are not going to be aggressive per se, although they could really cause some very deep emotional injuries. And so again, that's why boundaries is absolutely crucial. And if you really love somebody who might be more severely narcissistic, it's something to consider in terms of how could you get them to recognize those patterns and possibly be open for professional help. I think that's such a great question to end on. So don't go anywhere though, because I am going to get into the supercharged secrets of the day. Stay tuned. Wow. So many awesome questions. Thank you guys for submitting them. And I hope that this was helpful for you. And I think this leaves us with the only supercharged secret that makes sense, which is how do we deal with narcissists? And how do we make sure we don't become one ourselves? So the first tip is, as we've been saying over and over again, to have good boundaries. 
Now that means different things for different people. And narcissists can be really fun in the beginning. They are really charming, but then as you get into deeper relationship with them, they can become more toxic and they can wreak havoc in your life. And so the most important thing is to really hold firm to the things that you need for your self-care, for you not to feel chaotic in your life, and for you to have the space to be able to take care of your own needs before you address the narcissist needs. We have talked about this concept before, but it's that idea of when you're on a plane, you hear the public service announcement that if there's a change in cabin pressure, you need to put on the oxygen mask for yourself before you help the others around you. That is a really good adage to live by when you have to deal with narcissists. Give yourself what you need first before you decide to deal with the person that is showing these traits in your life. Also, don't be afraid to put a time limit on things. There are people out there who will just take, take, take no matter what. And so sometimes you might say, I will get on the phone call with them and listen to them for 30 minutes. And then that's it. I'm not just going to stay on forever and ever and ever because we could be talking for three hours and that'll put me behind the things that I need to do. So to start, just think about two or three simple rules that you're going to hold to in order to deal with the narcissist in your life and try them out. And just know that in the beginning, the narcissist will protest. They won't like it. But once you show that those are your boundaries and that you're not going to change, they will be able to manage that. They will be able to work around that. And I think most of the times people don't let themselves test those boundaries with people who are narcissists in their lives. But actually, if you test them, they will fall in line eventually and they will accept that those are your boundaries. So that's really the first tip. The second tip is to really understand how to communicate with a narcissist. And a lot of times people get into these power struggles with narcissists. They'll say, I'm going to confront their behavior. I'm going to call them out on what they're doing. But as we've mentioned just now, that causes narcissistic injury and the relationship will deteriorate. So it's actually more important to utilize the concepts of motivational interviewing. Now, for those of you guys who don't know what this is, this is a type of communication style and actually a therapeutic technique that meets the person where they're at. And originally it was devised to help people with substance abuse issues because oftentimes they don't have a ton of insight and they may not want to change right in the moment when you're trying to talk to them. So motivational interviewing is all about creating a cognitive dissonance in that person and then allowing them to solve their own problems. So when I say cognitive dissonance, you're basically pointing out um, in the substance abusers example, the good things and the not so good things about their substance abuse. And then once they've established, okay, you're right, there are some not so good things about my substance abuse patterns, then you say, okay, well, what would you like to do about that? And you let them come up with what they're willing to do. And then you just go in and support that stage that they're at. And research has shown that that has worked wonders for all types of resistant behaviors and personalities. And so applying that concept to narcissistic traits is a great application of how you can make this work for you. Create that type of dissonance in a narcissist. Talk about maybe something that happened where maybe they had a recent disappointment, especially if they come to you with that. Just say, well, what was some of the good things about how you talk to this person and what was some of the not so good things about how you talk to this person. And once you create that dissonance where they recognize, huh, maybe there were some things that I did that maybe were not so productive to my goals. Then you can say, well, 
So what could we do that would help you to reach your goals and maybe make this a little better? Again, speak the narcissist language. They like to talk about themselves and their goals. So if you can get them to recognize that maybe some of their behaviors are getting in the way of their goals, they might be more willing to make that change and come up with those ideas themselves. So I really think that that is worth a shot for sure. If you have somebody that you love in your life who is a narcissist. The third tip is to understand yourself. And when I say that, I mean, a lot of times people do attract narcissists because of certain things that they've dealt with on their own, whether they're an over caretaker or perhaps in the past, they've been through some emotional abuse or trauma. They then sometimes gravitate towards narcissists in a subconscious way. So really dig deep and look at yourself and think, what is it about me that might be attracting such a person into my life and try to resolve whatever those conflicts are. As we've talked about, change is always possible. So if you notice that you have a pattern where you keep getting into these relationships with narcissistic individuals, think about why that's been happening. And if there's a need that is internal to yourself that you haven't dealt with so that this pattern keeps occurring over and over again. When you think about being in a partnership with somebody, especially when we're talking about romantic partnerships, you can't look to the other person to fulfill you and you can't look to the other person to fix you. So for people who might be over caretakers, for example, stop over caretaking a narcissist, heal whatever needs to be healed within yourself so that you can hold better boundaries and know that your needs are just as important as anyone else's. And if you must over caretake something, then go and over caretake a pet. Go get a dog or a cat or something and shower all your love on them and just get that out of your system instead of being attached to a narcissist. The fourth tip that I think is helpful when we think about dealing with a narcissist, especially those who are maybe not as close to you, not a family member, not a romantic relationship, but but maybe just narcissists who are colleagues or maybe friends and acquaintances. This tip is all about knowing what you want and getting it up front. So you can't expect fairness with a narcissist. They're not going to be thinking about you and what you need. And so you have to really assert what you need from them. So in some ways, it is going to be a little bit of an exchange. Okay, well, you want me to do this for you? Well, here is what I would like from you so that we can make this an equal trade. So get them to pay up front whatever it is that you need them to do for you. And if you can get them to do that before you then give them what they need, then that exchange will happen. It'll feel more equal to you and it'll probably be better for your emotional health too because then you feel like, okay, I've actually negotiated with a narcissist and I got something out of the picture. And that's really, really important. Um, Give them a way to help you as you help them. The last tip is to understand that all of us have dimensions of narcissism. As I mentioned, this is a spectrum. All of us have a little bit of narcissism in us. It's just a human thing. And as I mentioned, there's all these different ideas of narcissism. There might be even a healthy type of narcissism, which maybe more uh, is related to the concept of high self-confidence. But in order for us to make sure we're not becoming narcissists ourselves and to raise children who are not narcissists, we have to demonstrate and keep working on the skill of empathy. So empathy is all about 
being able to step in someone else's shoes and experience their feelings as if it was your own and be able to understand this idea that other people might have a completely different reaction to a situation than you. So empathy is a great skill that is transferable to so many different situations. And so it's really important for you to continue to hone empathy for yourself, develop that idea that other people's feelings are just as important as yours. And if you see that a child that you're raising is becoming more selfish, then really, really important at these junctures to model empathy and ask them questions like, well, how might that person feel when you said that to them? What do you think they felt? Imagine if you were them. Do these thought exercises with your kids. It's so important so that we can all work on becoming a society that is going to see a spike in empathy rather than narcissistic traits. Jonathan and Rachel, it was so fun to take these questions today. And I think that this topic is just so relevant. So many people are asking me, is this a true narcissist? What can I do about it? And so I really hope that this episode was helpful. But what did each of you learn from this episode that might have been surprising to you that you didn't know before? I think what was I loved this episode. I, I just learned so much. But I think my big takeaway is how much work narcissists really just like you said, they're emotional vampires and you really need to make a decision whether you want to let that person on any level be a part of your life. Because, you know, for me, my, you know, I have two kids and I have a wonderful job working for a wonderful woman. <laughs> um, I, I don't have time. And basically I think I had time in my life for narcissists before. And I just, I don't want that anymore. So I think, it's the decision you need to make. And I, I never really thought of it was my decision. And that's kind of cool. So thank you. Awesome. My takeaway in general is just me learning what a narcissist is. I always had that idea that a narcissist was just someone who was obsessed with the way they looked physically, which I think is maybe there are people out there who are like me who think the same thing. So like, I had no idea that narcissism was this complex. So now I have a better understanding. I also don't, listening to this, I also don't think I really have a relationship with anyone who's a narcissist, like especially in my immediate family or friend circle. So it was like a whole new concept for me. So I learned something totally new. <laughs> well, it sounds... I'm totally jealous because <laughs> I think I know like one out of every five people I know is a narcissist. Well, we all love your inner circle then, Jonathan, because they sound like really balanced individuals who are all about the give and take, which is so cool. But thank you both again for reading those questions, sharing your own thoughts and insights. And to you listeners, thank you for checking out this episode of Supercharged Life. If you like the show and want to learn more, follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. Remember to subscribe, download, and tell your friends and take a moment to leave a review. It'll mean so much to me. And remember, if you have a question you want answered on this podcast, send me a comment on Instagram and I will try as best as I can to get to them in the next few weeks. I'm Dr. Judy, and remember, anytime is a great time to supercharge your life. 
The Supercharged Life with Dr. Judy podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.